Welcome to Midcast episode 151, recorded live on March 4th, 2013. I'm Scott, and with me on the podcast this week, as usual, is Rob. So, Mr. Rob, here it is. Oh, you know, here we go, here we go. Oh, here we go again. No, you can never have a perfect podcast. There's no such thing. Can never have... This you know, is uh, two for two now on the loop. Well, right? and what happens is, uh, when we use Internet DJ, it... Um, I set it for for uh, random play in the in the pre-show so that I can just play some music in there and test some things out. People hear the music right. and uh, yeah, yep. And then uh, I left it on <laughs> random for the playlist mode, and you got to turn it back to manual. Or when it's on random, it'll just start looping because it just it just starts playing something again. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so now that we're we're actually started, started. Uh, why don't you tell me what you've been up to this week? Well, let's see. What have I been up to this week? Uh, well, before I <laughs> before I say that, um, I have to to point out that this uh, you mentioned it just a second ago. This is a new personal best for us in terms of start time. Right? This is uh, um, Bill. Am I called it at forty three seconds after the top of the hour? So this is uh, as close as we've ever. Yeah, gotten. I'm glad there was forty three seconds in there because that actually gives us a chance to to improve. You know, if we had started at at um, you know, be, be, right yeah, we start on. before the hour, then that's not fair to all our late arriving listeners. So that's true. Who are expecting us? To yeah. Get so we got we have or forty-three like seconds yeah. of improvement still to uh, to work towards. So, so well, if we start before the hour, as long as we leave that repeat in, then we'll still be okay. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be able. To I do could that. loop. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, this week, uh, this has been. Uh, a very difficult computer week in Houston. Um, and the reason for that is that it's been bright sunshine and, oh, high 60s, low 70s, pretty much uh, all week, and certainly through the weekend. So it was uh, was painful to be inside and out of that glorious weather because I know that in just a few months it's going to be 100 degrees outside and 100% humidity, <clears throat> I'm not going to want to do anything outside. So I did a little bit of outside stuff this week. Still got in, you know, enough gaming to kind of keep tensions running high at the house here. Um, and enough, uh, um, mint stuff, enough Linux stuff to, uh, to get a podcast out and stuff like that, but not much beyond that. Um, so it's been, uh, been a quiet week on the computer front. How about you? What have you been up to? You've been a lot busier than I have in terms of uh, putting things together. Well, we didn't. Uh, we weren't blessed with the kind of weather that you had. It actually winter returned here, not in full force, but yesterday we had uh, sixty mile an hour winds. It was about Ow. it was about thirty three degrees out for most of the day, and that wind makes it feel oh. a lot worse than that. And then um, then we got hail and sleet, and then snow. And today it didn't get above like 35, 36, and we've been hitting a 40 oh, most days. Gosh. So, so it's, you know, it's sort of cold. It's gray as typical here. You know, it's very gray in the winter. And, uh, so yeah. it was great, uh, inside computer weather. So one of the things that I've been doing is, um, I got a Chrome, I got one of those Chromebooks. I don't, I don't know if I told you about this, but I, yeah. No, did you get one of those sexy new? You can get better, but you can't pay more Chromebooks. No, no, no. I didn't get one of the Pixels. I don't think they're available yet. Oh, but what okay. I got is the um, the Samsung one. 
that uh, was out of stock for a long time. And um, oh yeah, yeah now it's right. back. I think yeah. I, I think they're like two hundred fifty bucks or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can run other operating systems on that if you want. And so for a good chunk of the weekend, I tried to get uh, OpenSUSE 12.2 running on it, but I'm having a problem writing the raw image to the SD card that you then boot off of. And so I'm 90% sure that's mm -hmm. where the process is failing. So I can't, I couldn't get that to load. Now you can, you can uh, actually, there's a, there's another distro called uh, like uh, Crewbuntu, and okay. I could get that to run because you actually write the image to. There's a script that you run from inside from the shell uh, when you boot into developer mode on the Chromebook, and uh, that script actually writes the image to the SD card, and then you reboot and you can choose to boot from the SD card. And so I got that to run. It takes a long time to write the script, but I got that to run. But I'll tell you what, it, you know, we've talked about this before when we uh, reviewed Ubuntu. I just, mm -hmm. I really, really dislike Unity. And <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. I just, I did. I, even on a Chromebook, I, even on a small, nope, small phone. I never liked like it that. on a netbook either. When it was Ubuntu netbook remix, yeah. I never liked it. And I just, you know, honestly, I, I imagine, I, we know there are people out there who like it. And, and, you know, more power to them. I just, it just doesn't work for me. And so um, hmm. I even started, I was desperate to the point. I started looking for other ARM-based Linux distros that are out there that are... Raspbian? Uh, no, that are made to run, that where there's scripts or there's processes where you can get them to run on the Chromebook. On the and Chromebook, Arch yeah. has one. Yeah. And, of course. And that's how desperate I was uh, that I would... I was going to say, you, they have one, but you can't Well, I didn't, I didn't try it yet. I sort of uh, bookmarked the page and moved on. I'd love to get OpenSUSE 12.2, but um, oh, I got to yeah. figure out this how to the writing that they give you the command and everything, the DD command to write the image to your um, your your SD card, and it just something's not right. So yeah. Hmm. So anyways, uh, that was I spent a lot of time doing that, and as you know, there was uh, we we got together and and worked on today's show, and so. Uh, I thought that yep. went really well, and you guys are going to benefit from that. Hopefully, as a matter. So, does the Chromebook have a touchscreen? No, no, no touchscreen. It's got a, it's That's probably what that. I'll bet that hurts Unity. Uh, I bet Unity is a lot better with a touchscreen. Yeah, screen. yeah. I'm I'm just not sold. I don't know. I'm speculating. I'm just not but... sold on on Unity. But enough of that. We're we're not going to complain hmm. about that. That's that's for another episode, I imagine. So true enough. So, um, you guys are going to like this because actually tonight. We are going to be talking to Hoya. from the Solid XK uh, distro that just the brand new distro that just got released last week just put out their their first uh, uh, official uh, ISOs and uh, we sat down with him over the weekend uh, because right now it's probably about four in the morning where he lives so uh, we actually sat down with him during the weekend when it was normal hours for him. And talk to him for a bit, and we're going to uh, play that interview for you after we do a little bit of news. So our first news story comes to us from the Linux Mint blog. Um, Clem actually has a blog post up there detailing some work that they've been doing that's going to be showing up in Linux 
Linux Mint 15. And uh, you can actually go out to GitHub and get the code now if you want to play with it. And that's actually for the uh, MDM login screens. So you can actually use HTML5 now with the MDM login screens, and you can create uh, interactive login screens. You can do, they're themable. There's a bunch of stuff that you can do that do with them that really um, sort of brings additional um, eye candy, really, to, um, to your login screen. Some of the things that, that you can do, you can actually have people have to play a game or move stuff around on the screen to get to a login screen. Uh, not unlike, you guys probably saw the commercials, when, when Windows 8 came out, one of their big um, uh, selling points, you, they had commercials actually where you could have a picture and uh, you could draw things. They had like somebody diving and, and your login was to draw an arrow from them to the water or something like this. So there was sort of interactive login screens. And personally, I mean, and people have probably seen this on Android phones. So you can get these on Android phones or on um, on iOS devices as well. And, uh, you know, personally, I'm like, that's no big deal to me. But the acid test for me, I was watching those commercials and my wife and daughter were there and they're not, you know, huge computer users. And they were like, oh, that is so cool. So, um these types of things, this struck me as being very similar. You know, a lot of people, in fact, there's people in the comments of this blog post who say, uh, that's kind of a waste of time. I don't see why people are spending time doing that. And um, for me, it's more, this is more for the people who, this is like um, uh, wobbly windows or the spinny cube or things like that, desktop effects. It's it's uh, it's cool stuff that you can do with your computer. Um, this, this is only limited by the imagination and uh, the design that web designers and people along web artists can bring to this because they're basically they're making uh, commonly used tools. And this is the way everything's going towards HTML5. They're making these commonly used tools, uh, the basis where you can, you can go ahead and program these interactive um, uh, login screens. So uh, pretty cool that we'll have a link to the, to the blog um, entry in the show notes. And if you're someone who's so inclined or has those kind of skills, I would say uh, take a look at it. Very cool. Interesting. Uh, so our next story, moving right along, comes to us from Pharonix, Um And they've got a post up there uh, from, um, I think it's from today, um, Ubuntu announcing Mir, uh, which is an Xorg Wayland replacement. And so uh, this is something that um, has been rumored for a little while, uh, the notion that um, Ubuntu was going to roll its own display server <clears throat> uh, we had heard talk a while back about Wayland was coming and and all this sort of stuff, but this uh, is now the the specification is up on the Ubuntu wiki for a thing that's called Mir, and it is not based on Wayland or on X org uh, X org or X X eleven. Um, they're develop it's they're calling it a next generation display server. It's a um, it's a system-level component targeted as a replacement for the X-Windows server system to unlock next-generation user experiences. And the key here is for devices ranging from Linux desktop to mobile devices powered by Ubuntu. Um, so <clears throat> the, the article goes on, and I like this article a lot because it has pictures in it. Uh, and so I, get, I could look at the pictures. Um, and uh, the pictures tell you that uh, t tell you what a uh, 
a desktop environment, or what what this mirror thing kind of really is, and the 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 mirror system is, and it, that's an MIR. So it's uh, built up out of a graphics memory, a buffer management um, in core, and then wrapped in that or or connected to that is a shell to implement window management, something to manage inputs and outputs, multiple monitors, that sort of thing. A compositor, which is a, a bit of code that generates the final buffer to be actually displayed on the screen. And then some data interchange between applications and um, a uh, oh, application management um, that as sort of as associates a given application with an area on the window or, or on the screen. So the, the quick summary that they also give you in the article. So anyway, I, I mentioned all that because the picture is, is really worth looking at uh, because it gives you kind of a notion of what they're talking about when they're when they talk about a display server, it's not just, well, it's a complicated bit of, of uh, kit to make it do that. So the quick summary is that it's a new display server being developed at Canonical. It's not based on x.org or on Wayland. Um, Android graphics drivers are supported. Um, existing DRM, KMS, Mesa, GBM drivers will also work. Um, and the, and Canonical is pressuring sort of binary uh, vendors to make their stuff compatible. Uh, there will be support for legacy X11 graphics. Um, Canonical is going to natively support TTK3 and the Qt QML toolkits with Mir. Uh, should be used, or it will be used for all form factors from Ubuntu phones to the Ubuntu Linux desktop. And should be ready for the Ubuntu Phone OS by October. And it'll come to other form factors uh, and the desktop in about a year's time. So it's not something that's going to show up immediately, uh, but it is going to show up. They're they're convinced that it's uh, it's going to be in here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this handles um, or how this affects Mint, because of course we're downstream of all this stuff, and so I wonder if that means that uh, you know that's yet another divergence between um, Mint and Ubuntu. So we're, now we're going to, you know, because I'm thinking that they're, that Mint's going to stick with um, Cinnamon, which it's not clear to me from from looking at this article. Maybe it runs on top of Mir. Maybe it will continue to operate, or maybe it has to be rewritten. Yeah, it, it would, it would um, run on top of it. I mean, I mean, this is... Well, there's an X11... Um, support for yeah it. so the, i mean really in the end you know this is an x11 replacement and and the the big story here is the idea that that um you know canonical who had said several years ago that they were going to go to wayland they said they were going to wayland about the same time that they said they were going to unity uh as the default desktop right. well now they're they're looking at wayland and saying well you know it doesn't do what we want to do which is sort of this same thing across all our uh, all devices from the tv to the to the desktop, to the phone, to the tablet. And so they think that they want to, you know, step out and do this, uh, you know, do their own, their own thing. It's, it's really kind of interesting. I'm, I, I got to admit to a little bit of skepticism here. Um, I, my feeling is this is going to be not unlike unity uh, 1404. I don't know that they can make it to the default display manager, 
um, or display server, yeah. but that, that it would be something that would be available for people to beta test. If they do make it the default, if they do something like they did with Unity and put it out there, it's going to be a disaster and they're going to have, they're going to have all sorts of problems with it because there's no way that they're going to have it perfected in that kind of time frame. Um, I just don't see it happening. I could be, I could be entirely wrong, but it really has that kind of feel to it. And, um, it, it's kind of interesting though, because I saw some tweets today, um, Paul Ryan, who is a developer who now works for, uh, M Miguel de Acaza at, uh, Zamarian. He, he, um, tweeted out something that was like, uh, 2007, you know, Ubuntu stuff in Ubuntu steals everybody's code and doesn't give them any credit for it. They're crap. And then the 2013 Ubuntu writes their own code. They're crap, you know, this type of thing. So it's, yeah, it's sort of a yeah, and this isn't the first time that that Canonical's gone off in a direction like this. If you, well, I mean, there's you a look at you know, the, there's a there's a yeah. distinct pattern there. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't want to dwell on this too long because, uh, as you as you know, Rob, we we want to look at this stuff a little deeper and the whole pattern that we're seeing out of Canonical. But um, yeah. this was just another sort of step in that direction and sort of. So the interesting yep. quote that that is in the extra stuff that I was looking at is is a quote from. Uh, uh, Leonard, uh, Leonard Pottering, the Red Hat developer, uh, says, isn't Mir this thing that burned and crashed into the South Pacific Ocean near Fiji? Yeah, that was the Russian space station. Yep. Indeed it is. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting though. So the next one comes to us from our friends. Our next story comes to us from our friends over at uh, Hewlett Packard. So this one's on OMG Ubuntu, the, the post we found, but apparently HP is going to launch an Ubuntu all in one PC, uh, in the UK to start with. Uh, the interesting thing about, well, so all in one PCs, I, I suppose you can, you can love them or hate them. Uh, but, uh, HP is not a, a lightweight in this world and it's not, um, a newbie to this world either. They've been making PCs. They're, they're the world's largest PC vendor as of 2012. Um, and they've been making these all-in-one PCs in the, the Windows world for quite a while. And the thing that that characterizes these things in my mind is that these are not um, power user devices is how I would characterize it. These are things that you buy. I, I just want a computer. I don't want to mess with all those parts. I, and so this all-in-one thing, it's literally just a monitor with the computer kind of embedded inside the monitor. You got a keyboard and a mouse and, and such that goes with it. And so they've run Windows forever. Um, and there are, I believe, probably um, Mac versions that are similar, that, that do the same sort of thing as this. But there hasn't been a Linux one. And it's, bec well, I suppose you could run Linux on all of them. In any case, HP's releasing this thing all in one in the, in the UK um, for 349 pounds. Which, if my arithmetic is reasonably close, that puts it at somewhere around four hundred dollars, four hundred fifty dollars U.S. So um, it's really um, not too bad in terms of price. Um, they've put it in, in right down into the place where people who just go and buy a computer and who are not rabid crazy people like we are and they look at it and they say oh yeah this looks like a nice one i like the color of it and i like that big silver bar at the bottom yeah i'll buy that um so they're going to be able to buy one with linux on it um, a similar model is all is available with windows 8 and it's priced at 499 pounds which i thought was interesting that a lot of times these computers that come out with linux pre-installed they end up being 
the same price or a bit more expensive than the equivalent uh, Windows box is. This one, it's nice to see. Uh, it's uh, a little bit cheaper. It uh, it has all of, as they say in the article, for a kitchen computer, student use, or a decent, cheap first-time PC. The Pavilion 20 has all the makings of a must-have. Um, and it really looks like a, you know, it's not a super awesome machine, but it's not a bad uh, little computer. And uh, coming out running Ubuntu is, uh, this is a nice trend. I like this. Yeah, it's just, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to include this story was this idea that, uh, you know, here you have the world's largest PC manufacturer, or at least as of last year, who is um, who is coming out with an Ubuntu-based computer. So, you know, any computers that we can get out there that are pre-installed, we've talked about the fact that one of the reasons that, you know, at yeah. least my feeling is yeah. that one of the reasons that Windows is so prevalent is the fact that it's pre-installed on everything. And, uh, you know, we there's the learning curve. People have gotten over that learning curve. And they'll get over any other learning curve that, you know, you look at the the rise of tablets. There are no tablets that run Windows 7. Uh, and yet people are adopting tablets like crazy. Even even yep. the, uh, you know, uh, the iOS is not Mac OS. People had to learn it and they learned it in a heartbeat and they're willing to do it. Android's the same way. So uh, people who, who don't know um, Linux at all, you know, if they were to go down the store and, just pick it up, and buy yeah. this thing. They, they'd learn it. They'd pick it up. So anyways, I thought that was a, a great story to include. And it's, you know. So I presume it has, does not use UEFI. I have no idea. I, I couldn't say. I have no idea either, but I'm just guessing. Well, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if it does. Not. You know, we they've gotten past that. Ah, uh, well. And Ubuntu is one of those yeah. uh, companies that signed on to, to getting a key. So. Yep. And enough. so the last story we have in the news docket, uh, we have a short news docket tonight. Uh, the last story we have is something you guys may have seen, and that's that um, the January stats uh, or the February stats for Steam uh, usage came out. And uh, no surprise, Steam on Linux has actually almost doubled in use compared to January. So obviously Windows is the huge uh, majority of users for Steam, but in uh, January, the number of uh, Linux users was 1.12% of Steam's users. That jumped to 2.02 in um, in the month of February, and is rapidly gaining on the Mac OS users who only sit at 3.07%, and it's been on Mac for some time now. So the growth rate is uh, is looking really good. There's some other numbers out there. I thought, you know, I thought it includes because we've been talking about Steam on Linux for a while now. Um, there's also some articles out there, and I don't have a link right here. Maybe I can run one down while we're listening to the interview later. But uh, that there's games out there that have Linux versions that are uh, selling. In, the Linux version is selling, uh, vastly outselling the Mac OS version uh, of particular games that have been coming out. And I think it all just points to... I think part of it is that there's been this this drought. There's been this this uh, need and and a you know an, an opportunity that's existed. And, but I also think it speaks well to to Steam's plan to make this available for uh, Linux users. And I only, I think it's only going to grow when they come out with their console device, which is you know as we've been told is going to run on a Linux based uh, Linux based system. At that point, my feeling is that more and more games are going to become available and you're going to see even larger usage from, from people on Linux boxes. So just uh, I thought it was a great story to include, and hopefully we can continue this trend. This keeps up that within two or three months, they're going to pass uh, macOS usage uh, on Steam. And 
that would be great. It would really, I think, would show the power and and the draw that Linux has, particularly in you know 2012, 2013, and the and the maturity of the the operating system at this point in time. Yeah, you look at the Ubuntu number; um, it's closing in on the Windows 8 number. Yeah. Now that's they separate Windows 8 64-bit out, and so if you add those two together, we're not close. But the 32-bit Windows 8 um, is is just a hair above Ubuntu. I thought that was yep. interesting. Yeah, same thing with Vista. 32-bit Vista is just a little bit above. Just little a little bit above. above. And, so it's and, not uh, far to go. And Mint shows up. Mint uh, Mint Nadia actually shows up in, in their... Uh, oh, that's right. There it is. It's fairly yeah. low, but I'm one of the contributors to that. The 14, uh, Linux Mint 14 Nadia 64-bit. That's that's my, my machine right there. So That's your box yep, right yep, there? That, probably that's that 17.2% yeah. yeah. there right there. Or 0.17%. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully there's there. a few more cool. than just me there. Yeah, I hope so. All right. So that is going to do it for the the news for this episode. We're going to go ahead and step right into our interview right now. As we mentioned in the intro, uh, tonight we are talking to from the Solid XK distro, and um, we welcome you to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. So you are presently located where? In the Netherlands, in a beautiful, uh-huh. a beautiful little town, uh, close to a, a, a little town, even where I live is smaller than that, but uh, in the south of Holland. And it's even harder to pronounce, so I won't bother. Yeah, as you, as uh, astute listeners may recognize, I am using an MP3 because we were talking in the pre-show, and as an English-speaking American who is unilingual, I uh, have trouble with uh, certain sounds, just can't pronounce them. So working with this MP3, I'm able to pronounce his name. So <laughs> anyway, such could be cheating, but... I'm going to keep, continue to do that so that I don't mispronounce your name because that would be wouldn't want to do that. So the reason we're having you on the show is you have just released a distro, uh, brand new, uh, called Solid XK. Came out, uh, I think the official ones came out what on the 28th of February. Uh, is that correct. Well, that's almost correct. That was uh, just uh, a pre-version. Uh, the 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 official one just released yesterday. Ah, okay, excellent. Mm-hmm. So very, very new. Okay, and obviously the reason that uh, we have interest in this is you have or should be known to our folks uh, on the show and anybody who's been out to the Linux Mint forums, uh, as you've been an active participant out there for some time, particularly in the Linux Mint Debian Edition forum. Um, as a matter of fact, you were the maintainer of the unofficial Linux Mint Debian Edition KDE version, and that's where the, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's basically where the roots of Solid XK came from. Is that uh, is that fairly accurate? Very accurate, yes. Okay, great. So before we um, we talk more about Solid XK and about the distro, why don't you give us a little background on your, you know, your kind of your technical history, sort of your, your path to, to Linux and um, to Mint Debian Edition? Well, uh... About five years after I finished my studies, the Art Academy, uh, 
I went on uh, uh, changing my career and uh, became a programmer in a language called Progress. And from that moment on, I got, well, a bit hooked to uh, development and especially when uh, the internet uh, became a hype, uh, late 90s. I uh, started working in uh, companies that were uh, making products uh, related to uh, the internet. And it was all quite new at the time. So uh, I really liked that. So, uh, after a while, I started my own company. And I liked it so very much that, uh, well, you just noticed that I just started a new one myself. I've been working in IT for over, uh, well, let's say 15, 16 years. Most of the time as a programmer, the last five years as a management consultant, a business consultant especially to, uh, to help businesses, uh, get, uh, their business processes in line with, uh, the, their IT. So in your management work, was that primarily uh, Microsoft and Windows based? Was it yes. uh, Linux yes. based? Or I'm afraid it was. A, I was a, for a long time a, a Microsoft guy. Yes, and that was a, a, in my career. It was well most of the time Microsoft. Regular listeners in the show will recognize that that's that's my lament is that I work in a Microsoft shop right now and. Uh, you know, we're very heavily invested in the Microsoft stack and, and that's the way it is. And there, there are a lot of enterprises that operate in that space. So it's, exactly. it's not unusual to, to see people like yourself who make a living in that space. W when did you get exposed to, to Linux? Yeah, to Linux. About a, a year ago, I was a bit getting fed up with uh, uh, Microsoft and uh, working with Microsoft products just because I got, well, a bit bored. At the, um, Microsoft is a great uh, commercial uh, uh, organization, but uh, it sounds like they are doing a lot of uh, uh, new things, but they're always just changing the old things. And uh, especially when you're working uh, daily with their products and services, you see that in about 15 years they didn't change much. Uh, so I wanted to do something completely different, but still with uh, uh, with IT. And uh, I said to myself, "Well, let's see what uh, what uh, what Linux is doing today." Because ten years ago, I was not very much impressed. And uh, that's how I came to find um, Linux Mint, and I really liked it because uh, they uh, were. Um, a bunch of people who actually thought about uh, not only the product, but also uh, the processes around it. And for a management consultant, it's very important to see that there is a vision and a, and a goal uh, behind uh, their products. And they still have, and uh, I think that they are doing a very great job, especially in the open source community. Not only having good ideas, but also think about how you want to put it in the market. And that's what uh, what uh, was attracted what uh, what attracted me to Linux Mint. So, did you um, get an opportunity to work with other distributions, or was Lin was Mint sort of the first one you picked up? And it... no, no, I I tried several, uh, even Ubuntu, and uh, I thought I liked it, but it was only because uh, it worked out of the box, and it uh, 
was looking shiny and uh, looking very good and uh, but uh, when I tried Linux Mint I thought no this is how it's supposed to be it's like uh, what I well I did the art academy so sometimes I uh, use uh, words uh, still from that time it's like an empty canvas it, it invites you to change the distribution to your own taste it's not uh, it's not in your face and that's a, a very important thing to me so that's a really that's an interesting background that you that you bring you know i i hadn't really caught that until you just mentioned it you know having um done your studies at the art academy and then sort of changed directions and became in essence a programmer even if it, you know no matter what language you're working in um you know i'm one of these i'm more of a sysadmin and uh and now i do project management so i'm i'm farther away from all of it but the the art of programming i mean if correct me if i'm wrong but the sort of the background that you you come from and having that that sort of dual study having looked at both sides i mean obviously there's the um syntactical and technical side of programming and then there's mm -hmm. the art uh, of programming and not just the art of programming i think we're going to talk about this a little bit uh, more when we get into talking about solid xk but um the the design aspects and the artistic aspects that that you can bring to that um uh, are going to benefit uh you know the final product no i think so too yes you always need uh people with uh different talents in your team and unfortunately my team is still uh small but uh most uh, uh most uh, uh characters are uh, uh well present in my uh in my team but uh, yes um uh creativity is an important part of it of course so you you um start using linux mint is this something that you've incorporated into your business practices at all or was it just something you were trying to understand what was going on in the it world and just having it as a sort of a side hobby uh in the beginning it was just a side hobby just to keep my uh keep my um my interest in it uh vivid okay uh, and uh well you can see that it uh, actually worked because i had so much fun doing it and, and it's all because of the the linux mint community uh that uh that i started solid xk so let's talk a little bit about that so you were um you were involved on the forums um yeah. or, you know how did you get into that i mean you basically you came to linux mint uh what what got you into linux mint um debian edition and then in actually into creating the the unofficial kde version well yes when Linux mint first released the uh, uh, release candidate one of lmbe i tried it and i was at first a bit disappointed because it was ra uh, rather crude uh, you had to do a lot of uh, manual actions to get it working uh, you need to know your way in the terminal and after half a year linux well, it was difficult, let's say that. But mm -hmm. uh, I like a challenge. And uh, I was uh, uh, really impressed by the uh, how lean and mean the distribution was. So there were no... Uh, it was not bloated at all. Uh, it's not like Ubuntu where too much things happening and makes even the new system slow and sluggish. Mm -hmm. No, the, 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 it was crisp fresh and had a lot a lot of uh, i saw a lot of opportunities there 
And I thought, like, what would happen if somebody would stand up and say, I can make a Debian edition, make it less geeky, uh, and make it uh, usable for people that uh, now use, for example, Windows. Those people are the, the people most difficult to go from Windows to a Linux distribution, especially because they think it has the image of a, well, a geeky, geeky environment and nobody yeah. understands it only if you speak geek. Uh -huh. and, and that's why I said, well, I know how it is to be a non-geek. <laughs> so uh, maybe I can do something with it. And that's when, when, it, when it grew. Uh, I liked LMDE, but I didn't like the, the desktop very much. Uh, but I liked Linux Mint KDE because it was KDE. And I was very happy when I read about Clem's introduction to LMDE KDE, which never came. So I thought, I have to do it myself. <laughs> so, and then, then started it all with a, a simple um, tutorial on the forum which grew uh, with the help of uh, some of the people who are now with uh, SolidXK. And, uh, and that's how eventually the first LMDE uh, KDE came. Why don't we take an opportunity to recognize some of those people who've been there, you know, were there on the forums and are now working with you on SolidXK. Who, who are some of those folks? Well, the, the first one who... Uh, uh, who started uh, working with uh, with me to make uh, LMDE KDE was zero zero. Uh, many of the forum users will know him. Um, he is now uh, uh, one of my uh, my team members. Uh, Gene C is another one, and CWW Gateway is uh, the one who uh, came just a few days ago into the Linux Mint team. They uh, especially helped me with uh, uh, managing the forum, and we're thinking about how to uh, uh, describe the update pack uh, process and how we're going to do it, uh, and not look too much about how the Linux Mint uh, team uh, uh, did uh, the update pack process. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves because I want to I want to touch on a few more things before we we really delve into okay. the distro and your thoughts on the distro and where you're going to go with it. So so at this point, you are you're you've got this unofficial uh, KDE distro uh, yes. that you're you guys are doing a lot of support work and and you know sort of development work in an unofficial capacity and that's being communicated through the forums and it's sort of growing by word of mouth and through people coming out to the forums. What um, so, so what takes you from that to sort of the thought that mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on my own. I want to create my own distro here and and move this thing forward. What were some of the things that that drove you to that sort of decision? Uh, yes, it was almost always my intention to have the unofficial LMB KDE made official and taken into the the, the mint team. It was uh, was my intention from the beginning. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, in a chat with uh, uh, Clem, uh, it was not uh, uh, not not Clem's idea to make it uh, ever an official uh, uh, distribution. 
and he even said that uh, he would uh, stop supporting the the official and the XFC version. So, uh, well, he told me that a community edition would be a possibility, but I had to think about that, and it took me quite some time to think about that because there were a lot of pros and cons. It would have been safe to stay, uh, but on the other hand, I'm a, a, a bit of an entrepreneur, and um, and I thought to myself, I can do a lot better than just uh, uh, hanging, uh, sitting on the back of uh, the Linux Mint car. So uh, uh, that's when I decided to uh, well uh, start uh, Solid Escape. Okay, and so um, at this point. And it's, you know, you have some links to forum posts that are out on the SolidXK site that sort of detail this process as well. Um, the idea that, uh, and, and, you know, actually some of the, the posts are, are from Clem himself, where he, he talks through the process from his point of view, uh, yeah. sort of this idea that if you were to stay inside the Linux Mint team and uh, that the LMDE KDE version was to become what, what they term a community edition or a CE, that you would be bound by the framework that's in place for exactly. Linux Mint um, community editions to have that, that label and to, you know, one of the things that Clem has done uh, for better or for worse, and I, from my position, it's, it's for better is to protect the Linux Mint brand. And in doing so, he, he has, you know, as we've talked about certain framework in place that say you're going to release on a schedule that's, that's dictated by the, the team and you're going to do updates as dictated by the team and things along those lines. And, and he mentions in his post that those kind of uh, restrictions were, as you thought it through, were not things that you were interested in. Um, because it would it would sort of tie your tie your hands. Is that is that sort of accurate in terms of you, how you saw the the decision? Yes, we talked a lot about that, and that's very accurate. Yes, you mentioned somewhere, and I can't remember where because I, I read through the whole site trying to make sure that I understood as much as I could about Solid XK. But you you mentioned somewhere in there that you you have a good working relationship with the with the Mint developers and with the with the Mint team. Does that carry through to to today and now the official release of, of Solid XK? Yes, we uh, I'm uh, you can find me every every day on the the Linux Mint Dev uh, IRC channel. Very cool. So we're still we're, we're still uh, we're still communicating uh, not only about technical stuff because you will find that um, on Solid XK. Uh, the, the, the solid XK distributions, you will find some things that you will find in the next version of LMDE, and vice versa. So, uh, the umbilical cord is not uh, not cut. So, in in essence, there's a benefit to to both teams. There's a benefit, you know, yes. in in you stepping out here. You have this benefit. It actually benefits both teams and. Those people who are going to stay with Linux Mint Debian Edition are, you know, potentially going to see uh, work that you've created or your team has come up with that makes its way into into update packs for for LMDE, and exactly. like you say, vice versa. So so let's talk about Solid XK. So uh, you've got this. It as you read through the website, you know, you you mentioned that it's based on Debian. Is there how much of, of LMDE is still in there? Is are you taking a fresh, um, in essence, a fresh copy of Debian and building yeah. from there, or are you yeah. uh, taking a copy of LMDE, stripping stuff out? How do you go about putting the distro together? 
No, it's 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 really uh, taking um, a fresh Debian install without a desktop, and from that working working my way up to get where I want to go. So yes, there are still some Linux Mint packages, but I had to uh, uh, change them, of course, because uh, SolidXK uses uh, a different framework. Uh, especially because the, 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 the repositories are not Linux Mint, but SolidXK. Of configuration is about the same, but of course the Linux Mint name has been replaced by SolidX or SolidK. So you will still find some, uh, some stuff. It's not much, but there's some packages that you will see immediately, like the Update Manager, for example. It's very recognizable and, um, the software manager, uh, Mint install, it's all the same, but it's also uh, on the surface because when you look at the code, there's a lot of change, the things changed. So I'm curious about the way that you're going to, to set the repos up for, uh, I've been a, an LMDE user for uh, quite a long time, probably right from the time it first came out. Um, and um, so th it, you're intending to, to preserve this sort of semi-rolling kind of feel to it. Are you going to um, treat LMDE as an upstream distro, and so you're going to mirror their uh, repos, or these will be separate no. repos, and how are you going to keep it all sy synchronized? Well, uh, we're still um, working on describing the process of the update packs, uh, there is some discussion amongst us, so we really have to do this uh, the right way. At least there is a consensus about uh, how often we want to uh, um, well, update the the, the 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 repositories. So there must be some regular form in it. Uh, and uh, that means that uh, at the moment I am simply um, uh, syncing with uh, uh, the Debian repositories. So uh, it's uh, testing and experimental. It's all uh, all there. And I've uh, copied it twice. So I have got a, a testing and a production environment. So logically we start uh, at the first of every month to sync uh, the testing repository with the Debian test our stuff there, it'll take five days. And if we don't find any critical uh, 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 critical stuff that uh, would break uh, other people's uh, systems, uh, we go ahead to production. Uh, if not, then uh, we'll skip a month. And that's all communicated by uh, the, the SolidXK blog and therefore to, to uh, Twitter and uh, Google Plus and uh, Facebook. So uh, I hope that is going to um, uh, to have the focus more on uh, how to work the process of update packs instead of well sometimes uh, uh, people were not very happy how long it took for the next uh, update pack with uh, LMDE so uh, we're going to change that. Yeah, that that is true because one of the things that I saw happening with my LMDE box is that there was never anything in the update manager and it would go yeah. a long time and it, it 
it uh, it seems like there would be security patches or something that would pop out in the interim. And actually, I have to say, in the the recent uh, four to six weeks or so, I've seen several non-update pack updates uh, pop out. Firefox being one of them. So that yeah, seems to be changing, but but there are yeah. it's still it it's a bit puzzling, you know how the um, how that's supposed to work. Is there supposed to be something happening in between those major update packs, or am I? Yeah, yeah. And so you're you're not you're 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 going to be pushing stuff out. Sounds like faster than what the LMDE um, latest uh, repo is pushing out. Yes, and more importantly, uh, the security uh, repository is being updated daily. So you can expect any uh, uh, any security update, well, on any day in the month. So it's not uh, in, in uh, Linux Mint. I think uh, it had even its uh, a security distribution uh, going with the update packs process. Yeah. So even that even that took a very long time. And I think that is not a risk I am willing to take. The, the security updates are there because they are security updates. So they have to be available at least on a daily basis. Yeah, that, that's something that has to get pushed out very quickly. How, how quickly are things dropped into the Debian security? Because you're, you're going to feed from Debian, right? Yes, directly. And so that Debian has a separate security repo that is updated yeah. more frequently than than testing yes. is. Oh, oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. And do those security updates apply to Debian stable, or are they testing to all to testing to uh, stable to uh, uh, experimental, all of them? So they all have so a I'm separate thinking, one. I'm How thinking all. So you're syncing all of those. So how do you keep, like there's different yeah. software in those different repos and so they're going to have different security issues. Uh, you, you just have to think about that the, the SolidXK repositories are Debian repositories, but the only thing is that the, the SolidXK team first checks if it doesn't break anything on your current SolidXK uh, uh, system. And nothing more. And I think you have to keep it very simple like that. Yeah. Uh, or else you're going to uh, have a lot of trouble managing uh, everything that's uh, happening around it. I wanted to touch on something that Rob uh, mentioned earlier and just get some clarification. So, Rob, you had you had said that uh, you saw this as a rolling distro. Is that is that your, your intention for this to be a rolling distro? Well... I think it's more accurate to say that it's a, a semi-rolling distribution, just like LMDE. Because if you you can, of course, always point to the, the Debian uh, repositories, then you really have a, a rolling distribution. But as my uh, target public is not uh, the, the 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 Debian savvy, but uh, and, well, the more average user, I think uh, the the. The process of uh, update packs is uh, well one of the best ideas uh, uh, the Linux Mint team ever had, but uh, making it work is uh, is quite difficult. Well, is an update pack anything more than just um, sort of a 
a bunch of stuff appears in the repo when the update manager runs? Is there something different about an update pack? No, no, no. the update pack is nothing more uh, than uh, uh, a new synchronization of the uh, the repositories. So you, you do it in bashes instead of uh, like Debian, it just puts something in the, the repository and then it's available to the public. Uh, instead of that, uh, you put it in a repository, test it first, and then put it in the production repository. Okay, so there, there's no, you know, the update pack sort of conjures up in, in your mind the notion of it, it's a package of things that you put all together, but in fact it's just a, a um, versioning, if you will, of the the repo. You just the repo, yes, yeah, a slice, a slice, a, mo- a, a slice, a, a moment in time, yes, of a repository, and and that snapshot you you use for your uh, a repository, and that's you call an update pack. Okay, why don't we change gears here a little bit and talk about the the team that you have working with you? You mentioned uh, three folks earlier. And can you describe a little bit about what each one brings? And, you know, we had talked about needing to have a team and needing to have different viewpoints and such. How's that, how's that being met right now with the people that you have on the team? Oh, for example, you, you know where I come from now, uh, Dundee Art Academy and uh, quite, a, a, quite a dreamer. And I think those are talents you, you, you use when you're, uh, well, an entrepreneur. Uh, you, you believe that uh, anything you can come up with uh, would work in the market. But uh, Zero Zero, for example, is somebody who um, uh, is very practical and uh, makes me think about uh, even the things I think they would be boring, but they have to be done. And he says, like, we have, we have to make documentation about, uh, the, how the update pack, uh, works. And first, uh, first thought, uh, that comes to me is then, well, can't somebody else do it? But of course, yeah. you're I a like programmer. You don't like to do documentation. No, it's terrible. It's really terrible. I hate the, it. The code is self-documenting, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. It's, it, it always is. You know that. Of course. And, uh, uh, for example, CWW uh, Gateway, he is, uh, well, he has an eye for details that's incredible. And he really likes his, uh, uh, graphical stuff. So I'm trying to, to pull him in to, to think about how we can change or improve the, uh, uh the graphical user interfaces of, uh, of programs or of the, of the desktop itself. So, Everybody has its own talents, and uh, and like uh, like most um, uh, managers or ex managers, uh, I like to facilitate and let uh, let people uh, make their own decisions, as long as it fits in the the overall uh, uh, goal of the of the organization, and that's SolidXK in this moment. What would be you know, mission statements, I don't know. I, we have a mission statement at work. I can't even tell you what it is. I've been there 10 years. But, I mean, if I were to ask you for the what the mission statement of Solid XK is, how would you how would you put that? Well, uh, well yeah, you, you understand that we're still a very young, uh, a young sure. um, uh, organization. And uh, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to call it an organization because when you, you work together with a group of people, uh, 
I think you can call it an organization, even if it is uh, uh, on, a, on a digital plane. Huh? We, we, I've never seen zero zero or something, but the, uh, we work very closely. So in this organization, I, I put something um, uh, on uh, the, the front page of our site. Uh, everybody can see it because it, it starts with welcome. And uh, the, sec the second paragraph says this, Solid XK is an open source alternative for small businesses, non-profit organizations, and home users. And that's the focus where I want to, to put it. Um, it's, it's, I'd like to see it to, be, to become more than uh, just a nice-looking uh, uh, Linux distribution for people who are already interested in Linux. For example, uh, here in Holland, uh, you see that uh, the, the non-profit sector and all organizations related to, to the government uh, are entitled to do something with open source in mind, but they hesitate to do so because they don't know much about it and they don't know where to begin. Yeah. So there is there's a world to change out there. And if you can do that, starting with making... Uh, 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 a simple looking desktop that brings uh, brings fun and uh, your own control back to your uh, uh, to your PC and I think that is a good start but there uh, of course uh, uh, if you read uh, the, the welcome you can taste that there is more to come than just the distribution there was one other uh, individual that we hadn't talked about yet in their contribution to the project I'm trying to find their name here too. Jeez, I lost it in my notes. <laughs> you talk about uh, you try to uh, to remember GNC. Yes. Yeah, so, so what does GNC a... what does GNC do for the project? Well, he is uh, at the moment uh, solely working on uh, maintaining uh, the uh, forum, which in the beginning is uh, not a lot of work. But I suspect uh, his job is going to be uh, a bit more challenging in uh, the coming months. So yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's my uh, my uh, main moderator on the on the site. So my question about Gene C is that is is that what he really looks like his uh, his mint forum <laughs> picture. I'm, I'm asking myself that question. That, every that's one day. scary dude, I tell you. <laughs> oh, you've you've seen my avatar, but I'm not looking like that. <laughs> but see, you need you need a guy like that to be your bouncer. That's right. He's a definite exactly. bouncer. That yes. yeah, your forum bouncer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everybody on the forum is very nice to each other. So it's all because of him. So right now you have you have a forum. Um, you have an IRC yeah. channel, is that correct? Yes. And where's that located? Uh, on Freenode, I make okay. two channels, uh, SolidXK and SolidXK-Dev. Uh, uh, and, and we mentioned, you know, it seems like it's a small team right now. What what kind of things are, you know, one, are you open to growing the team? And if you are, what what sort of skills are you looking for? What things could people bring that would, would oh, benefit? I, I'm... I'm looking for all kinds of people if they are interested. Uh, it's easy to say, of course, that I need developers in my team because at the moment I'm the only one. 
changing uh, anything on the packages or making new packages. Uh, I'd love to uh, divide uh, the pressure. <laughs> Uh, but I would like to see some uh, uh, designers. For example, I would love to uh, get rid of the oxygen uh, theme and may have one of my own. But that is a really daunting undertaking. Because, well, have you ever seen how many icons this are in the oxygen uh, theme? Yeah, yeah it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. And, and if you want to replace that, well, it's... I'm not going to do it. Let's say that. Uh, but if anyone would feel like, well, I'm a monk and I have a lot of time and I love to design those kind of things, please come over and help. I know the the mint team is always looking for people who do like can do localization and stuff like that. Is are there, there opportunities for people to get involved in that way? Yes, always. Yes, there are uh, uh, a few packages. Uh, one of them is uh, the the, uh, the device driver manager. You will find it in the next LMDE as well. Uh, I haven't been uh, around it to localize it yet. So those are really typical things I would like to uh, I would like to do as well. But for me, it's just simply taking too much time, uh, especially now that I've started SolidX So if anyone would ha would like to help uh, there. I'd love that. So lots of opportunities. And I imagine, um, you know, we, we always talk about the way that people can contribute. You know, a lot of people get hung up on, well, I don't know how to program. I'm not a programmer. There's nothing I can offer. And, mm. you know, we've said many times that there's a, a number of different ways and a number of different skill sets that go into oh, yes. to putting, you know, something like a distro together and um, the opportunities are there. So if it's, uh, you know, we, you have a link on your website to a, a blog post that um, that a friend of the show, Boston Peng, put out. And even in doing something like that, spreading the word about Solid Oh, yes, please. You, yeah. um, you contribute and you give people opportunity to come and take a look and decide whether it works for them. And then potentially, yeah. if it is something that works for them, they contribute even further because they want to, to give something back. The testing, for example, you, please, uh, if, you, if you're not, not, not uh, uh, a techie, uh, but you want to help. We, we really need testers, especially the ones who don't have uh, all the knowledge about Linux. Because a normal user, uh, uh, they find the stuff that uh, the, the, uh, the developers will never find. So it's very important for me to have testers that, well, don't have an in-depth knowledge of Linux. So anyone can help. Yeah, that's that's a great opportunity there. That's just in using the distribution and then reporting, yes. doing the bug reporting and such. Do you guys yeah. have, I mean, what kind of mechanism are you using for bug reporting? Do you just have people send you emails when that happens or get on the forums no. or what, what's your... Forums. Okay. The forums at the moment, and I'm putting up a, a bug, bug tracker for the site. It's a, a bit experimental at the moment. And are you, you're still working outside of this? This is not your full-time job, is that correct? Now, at the moment, it is. Uh, yes, uh, about a year ago, they changed uh, through, through uh, some uh, because of some uh, family matters. I've decided to uh, to stay at home uh, and take care of the children. So I'm staying at home, Dad, at the moment. Nice. Well, that was just for half a year, but after a year, you well, you know that uh, some things changed in Europe. 
it's uh, very hard to find uh, a job, especially when you're uh, not the youngest. <laughs> I understand, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, I, uh, and, and of course, I got, uh, after a while, uh, I love my children, but I got bored. Uh, I wanted to do something else and uh, uh, changing nappies. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so uh, that's when I started uh, uh, the unofficial LMD KDE. I had the time, and uh, and I thought I had uh, the stamina to uh, to do it. So, what's the uh, the relationship bet- like between um, Solid XK and the the Mint team? I, you know, the the Solid XK team has been very active on the Mint forums. Do you see that declining, or are you? Is there a, a friendly? Re- I, I don't get the sense that there's any animosity um, no. in you guys starting this? No, not at all. It was all uh, quite... Uh, well, uh, Clem and I talked about it. Uh, we made uh, some uh, gentleman, uh, gentlemen's agreements and uh, we're, keep, we're keeping that. So, uh, no, it's... Uh, uh, I think it's quite... Uh, for, for both parties, the, the best thing that ever happened. Uh, I was very glad when uh, when Clem uh, posted his message on the the uh, unofficial uh, the unofficial uh, threads. They are now all closed, as you uh, uh, yeah. think I already uh, that you already saw that. Uh, and he put a message there, and uh, he even uh, put on a, a link to SolidXK in this message. So that describes a bit the relation between uh, the Linux Mint team and SolidXK. So do you think you'll be contributing um, code back into yes. the LMDE? Because you're working off the same branch in a lot of ways. So Yes, so. yes we keep each other. Uh, 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 we, uh, for example, the, the, the device driver manager is of my hand. That's what I created. Uh, but uh, Clem really liked it, so he is implementing that in the next LMDE. Uh, the, the next LMDE. Very cool. Uh, so uh, uh, we're working on that together. And the life installer is something that I've been working on. So every time when I change something, um, uh, I let the team know so that they can look at it. It's it's all separated, but they can look at my, uh, uh, my code in GitHub and uh, see if it's something uh, interesting for them as well, and vice versa. So, uh, the, for example, the, 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 the last uh, live installer, yeah, the, the application that's being used to actually install uh, the, uh, the operating system on your uh, system, uh, has been dramatically changed uh, just, uh, just a few weeks ago. And uh, I've used that to, uh, uh, as an installer on SolidXK with some, uh, with, uh, with some changes because, well, uh, the next LMDE will have Plymouth, for example. Uh, Clem did like that also on uh, the unofficials, that uh, the Plymouth implementation was working, actually. And, uh, but uh, he's not going that far that uh, uh, he um, uh, implemented that also in the live installer, for example. Uh, on SolidXK, you can choose while you're installing whether you would like to use Plymouth as a splash or not. So I think that's going to come up in the next version of LMDE. 
what is like the immediate future hold for Solid XK, and what are what are some of the next things that you're going to be doing? Well, first of all, my 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 prime concern is that, of course, we now have about uh, I think forty seven people on the forum, so that is in in a, just a few days. It's okay, but I hope to have a lot bigger of a user base than uh, we have now. So that is my uh, my focus now to uh, have uh, so the, the name SolidXK known to everybody in the community, and uh, then my concern is to have it also known uh, outside the community. So I'm really thinking about uh, how to um, put this name in the market where people have never heard of uh, Linux, for example. So that is quite a big of a challenge, and it's going to take uh, quite some uh, uh, time and, uh, again, a lot of focus to realize that. And, uh, of course, there are some products that I would like to see, uh, uh, but that is uh, something that I will have to talk about with my team first before I can uh, make it public, because even they don't know it yet. Uh, but you can understand that... Uh, these two distributions, they these will uh, be the base of more products that are to come. I will not deviate from Debian, and I will not deviate from uh, um, KDE or XFCE. But uh, I would like to see more specialized products for different markets. What's an example of that? Uh, you could you could think about, for example. Uh, uh, a, Distribution that has been specialized for back office. Uh, small businesses, for example, uh, would like to have, uh, I think, an easy, uh, easy to use system where you can uh, manage your, uh, uh, your company and uh, your uh, financial uh, uh, processes. In essence, leveraging your background. Um in exactly. your work experience and sort of yes. trying to tailor distributions that would answer questions that you encountered when you were. Yes. Right. Makes sense. Of course, that, that will always be a part of, uh, uh, of me and, and therefore also of SolidXK. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, a bit of a fan of uh, good processes and uh, making good business. And this is open source, so uh, and it will always be open source. It's not uh, like uh, I'm going to ask money for uh, for my distributions. Uh, for the it's uh, the the most important thing about it is that, that uh, we're having fun doing it. But uh, I would like to have it meaningful for other people than the people who already know Linux. So that being said, about um, you know, you just made the statement that you won't you know, be charging at any point in time for solid XK. You do have a, uh, I just wanted to mention that you do have a, a, a page out on the website where people, if they are so inclined or have the opportunity can co contribute uh, financially to the, pro to the project as well. And I imagine that uh, helps in, in a number of different things, hosting the distros uh, and things along those lines, equipment for testing, stuff like that. So um if people go out to the website and we're going to have a link to the website, I would encourage people to go out and take a look at it. You can download from there. You can download, I think you have direct download. You can also do um, torrent. Uh, you have some torrents yes. out there and the more people that actually get out there and uh, 
get on the torrents, obviously the more seeds there are and the more opportunity is to to make the torrents very effective in terms of, of downloading. And, and obviously that's always the preferred uh, distribution method because it cuts down on the uh, bandwidth that you are, are uh, you know, have in place for direct downloads. But uh, you can get, and you, it looks like you have 32 and 64 bit, was that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And, and talking and, and talking about the, the bandwidth, uh, anybody who could help with uh, mirroring, uh, I would very uh, much be appreciated if they uh, they uh, uh, drop in a mail. And you have information right on the website as to how to go about mirroring if people are are capable of doing that, uh, have yeah. the bandwidth and the disk space available, they could help out in that sense. So uh, that's all out there on the website. So is there anything else that you want to talk about today uh, with regard to the distro? Uh, well, we covered quite some uh, different subjects on the matter. We even uh, told, uh, told something about uh, what, uh, what you can expect in the future. Uh, I think most, most things uh, uh, are said. The only thing that I would like to say, and I stress to say that... Uh, SolidXK or Linux Mint or any distribution only exists because of its community. Uh, that's where I get my fun and uh, that's where I get my challenges, something that I need. And, uh, and I believe that uh, as long as there are people who, uh, who feel the same about uh, Linux, we will continue doing this for a long time. Well, I, I got to say, we really appreciate your efforts to this. You know, people like yourself, like Clem, like uh, Ike Doherty, people who uh, are out there doing this and making this available to uh, people like myself and, and Rob and our, our listeners. Uh, you know, without people like yourself, we wouldn't have this. And, and we really appreciate the effort. And Solid XK really um, looks like an exciting distro. And, and uh, I'm actually... To be honest, I've got a torrenting down right now, and I'm I'm going to be installing it and, and taking a close look, and and uh, uh, probably hop on the forums and ask a few questions. So um, there is one thing that I do need to ask your permission to do. Um, there's a little background to this. So uh, regular listeners of the show know that uh, when we uh, went and started talking about Ike Doherty's uh, distribution, Solus OS. Uh, eventually, mm -hmm. that turned into a, a drinking game. Right. Every time we well we mentioned it just about every episode for quite a while. And so it got to be that every time somebody said something about Solus OS, there was a drink that had to happen. So ah. we we sort of announced on the last show that it was very possible that Solid XK would become the next uh, drinking game distro. And every time that we mention uh, Solid XK, it would be drink. But we want to get your permission to do that. If you have any oh, objections please. to that. Okay. Please do. <laughs> and, and there you have it, folks. Uh, yeah. the, the new drinking game. So now there's two different distros. If we mention either, either you, you have, have to, to drink, drink, but it has to be a different drink each time. Right. So, so all, of, all of our regular listeners, you're going to have to remember, you have to have two drinks in front of you all the time. So that because you never know when which one we're going to mention, right? Which one's going to come up? What's a what's the local what's the local grog there in uh, in in Holland for you? What what should we tell people to drink? Well, any kind of Belgian beer that's very popular around here because I live quite close to the border uh, with Belgium. Of course. Uh, well, any kind of Belgian beer will do just fine. There you are. And I would imagine for Ike, it should be uh, Guinness. So, 
Stout, probably. Guinness is Irish, but very good as well. Yeah. So no complaints there. Okay. All right. So, you know, we'd, uh, I would imagine we're going to want to talk to you again as, as this project progresses. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look to have you back on the show at some point in the future to talk about uh, what's going on with Solid and where you're going with it. I definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with us today. That's for sure. Uh, and, and putting this together. So um, course, with that, we'll uh, end our, our interview with Schoolje. talking about Solid XK. <laughs> you never learn, don't you? <laughs> Schoolje. Hey, I said it right every time. Hey, at, at least he's not uh, not playing something from Monty Python associated with it. So, yeah. <laughs> But that would have been very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, I, I loved it. So I'm looking forward to the next uh, next interview. And we'll keep each other posted. For sure. Thanks again. Thanks very much. All right, we're going to jump into some feedback now. Um, our first piece of feedback comes from Christopher Patrick, who, as you guys may recall, did a bunch of research for us last week and uh, had a had a number of different things that he looked up for us. Well, he's done. He's at it again. He actually went and looked up, found the Wikipedia entry for Blue Systems. You guys may recall that Blue Systems are the folks who do a sponsorship of Mint KDE. They also put out the Netrunner version, and they're one of the primary sponsors now of Kubuntu. So there's a link in the show notes from last, week episode, last week's episode. That's episode 150. You can go out and grab that link to the Wikipedia entry for Blue Systems. Um, German company, son of a multi-billionaire type of thing. You know the story. We've all heard it before. Uh, anyways, um, he also says that he loves the Gramps Garage segment that we inserted in last week and wants us to continue doing it. So we will. I think we probably will, yeah. So we had a, an email come in from Ferland Sovereign who says, Hey guys, I'm pretty new to Linux, but I've managed to install Mint 13, 14, and Ubuntu on a few machines. Mint seems to work really well on my Sony VAIO two-year-old laptop. However, the drive just failed. So in the meantime, I thought, hey, I wonder if I could stall Mint onto an SD card and leave it in the slot. Well, I booted the machine with a Mint 14 disk. I made and then successfully installed Mint onto the SD card, removed the CD, and no boot. So I put the SD card in a little USB reader and put the put in the side USB and it boots fine. Why won't it boot from the built-in card reader, which would be much nicer? Thanks. Um, Scott, this sounds just like your problem. Well, yeah, so there's probably two things. One, I would check the the SD card and make sure, for me, it took a little while and I wasn't sure. I was new to um, the process of making a Chromebook boot, which is from a from a USB, which is different. You actually have to go into the shell and give it a command from you have to be from a from a root shell, and getting a root shell is a little different. Everything's a little different. It's not your standard um, you know Bash shell that you're that you get into on a Chromebook. So for me, I had to check a number of different things, and uh, finally, what I did is I took that SD card and I just plugged it into a known working machine to try and read it, and 
it wouldn't read it. It didn't see anything. It wouldn't mount it. Nothing so showed it's up. it's not actually, it hadn't formatted it. Yeah, whatever's going on there, yeah. it was bad. And So this one, it sounds like he's got a file system on it because he can put it into a USB card reader and then the machine will boot from that. So my when I read this, my first thought was go into your BIOS and make sure you can boot yeah. from that card root from the from the card reader. Yeah. You make might, sure it sees the reader as Yeah, a you might not be able to boot from that or it just might not be set yeah. up to boot from it uh in the BIOS. So um yeah. hopefully you're you're you know what we're talking about, you know how to go about doing that. Um and uh you can go take a look. If not, I would Google it. Google, you Google know. It. Yeah, Google um accessing BIOS on a Sony bio, and that should, should help yep. you out. So Michael, the frugal computer guy, writes in and says, at the end of your last episode, Rob was asking about the LibreOffice macro record functionality. It is there, but it's, since it's an unstable option, you need to turn it on. It can be turned on from the main menu under Tools, Options, Advanced in LibreOffice 4 and tools options general in versions 3.5 and 3.6. And uh, note in 3.5, it's in enable experimental unstable features. So it's not listed separately like in versions 3.6 and 4.0. Keep up the good work. Michael, P.S. I enjoy your podcast more now that you've fixed the issue of one person talking at the volume of a whisper and another person talking at the volume of a fighter jet taking off. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. So, Rob, that, you, you missed it yeah. at the uh, the pre-show. At the beginning of the pre-show, I uh, uh, I brought the stream up, and nothing was going out through the stream. I had actually uh, cut my mic's connection to the stream, so the stream was basically there, but nothing was going on on it. So, Bill and I and Copycat were hanging around lurking and um, decided that they were going to turn their volume up quite a bit. So Bill was hoping that he could hear, like, you know, all the sordid details of the pre-show that we, we try and hide from, the, hide from the users now. So what happened is I was just queuing up some music to play out to the stream. <laughs> you blew his eardrum. Yeah, I blew. I, there, was, um, there was strange characters showed up in the chat room. And when I mean characters, I mean, like... Um, ampersands and pound the, signs the shifted and numbers yeah bang yeah, yeah. so uh, hopefully uh those guys are doing okay now but uh they were uh i think i'm gonna have to ease in the music next time for for all the uh <laughs> just, the, just ramp it up for yeah people that are listening to yeah they're not necessarily peeping toms they're hearing toms i guess but hearing yeah. hearing fred but they but they're also yeah. our our loyal listeners so we will we will try and take care well of that. and so this back to the topic of the the uh, macro record i think bill am i i think found that right after the show that we were talking about this in that some, somebody else was i think somebody else uh had mentioned this as well that it's in in an unstable option that we have to find had to find to to turn it on. So yeah, but it sounds like it's right there. And um, yeah, this and, is something I want to look into a little bit more because, it, in my view, this is one of the things that that is a major impediment to more people adopting LibreOffice, and that is the the programming environment. Um, then the problems with using it. So if there's a and you know a macro record feature is the the gateway into using this um, this kind of functionality in all these office pro type products and so um, you know that's really an important feature so I'm, I'm gonna have to dig in some more into that we may uh, we may have to do a, a more in-depth episode on uh, macro programming okay 
And um, we did want to say thanks to uh, Jason Bailey, Steve Lindblom, and Ferlin Sovereign, who all wrote in with topic suggestions that uh, we're going to be exploring those in, in upcoming weeks and uh, have some great ideas there. So we appreciate that from you guys. I also wanted to read one one paragraph that was in uh, uh, in Jason Bailey's uh, email because it, it uh, touches on something we've been talking about. Um, he writes in and says, well, I have really enjoyed hearing from both Scott and Rob. I miss hearing James on the show. I got a kick out of his exuberance and enjoyed hearing many of his strong opinions. I hope he has a chance to return as a regular part of the crew at some point. I also appreciate the show's atmosphere as I found other Linux podcast hosts to be a little too loud and eccentric for my taste. And, um, you know, I actually had a chance. I, I saw James out on the uh, Google plus, um, I think it was last week and had a chance to share that with him, uh, but then he disappeared again. So I didn't get his feedback and or did hear from him as to, you know, uh, you know what his what his plans were. I we kind of ended it by me asking, so how are things going? And then he disappeared again. So, anyways, uh, we miss him too. We, we do miss we, him. Uh, it it leaves a hole, and and as much fun as it is doing this podcast with two people, uh, James, I think brought a a perspective and uh, an atmosphere to the show that we just don't have. And so, so we really, uh, we really do miss him. Yep. So that's going to do it for our feedback. We do have um, a, a tip and a, and a wet uh, website of the week, which almost comes to almost comes through like feedback as well. So I'm just going to read it out. And this again came from Beardy Jesse, who is just uh, now is our go-to guy for tips and, and websites the and stuff. Tipmeister. Yeah. So he, he writes in and says, Hi guys, glad you were able to use my tip last week. Sorry I didn't manage to send it in until just before the previous show. And that is I have no problem with that. You send it in whenever you can. Uh now I can't promise to make a habit out of up uh, now now here comes he's pulling the rug out. I can't promise to make a habit of sending these tips, but when I find a great little command that I want to share, and I can't think of a better place than to let you guys know as a potential weekly tip. It just happens I've found two in rapid succession. Also, it must be difficult to find a new tip every week, so I hope this helps. And it is. I mean, you guys, sometimes the quality is really high. Sometimes you have a few that you're hanging on to. Other times it's a it's a desert and you can't find them. So this is the one he found. And it's actually the command notify-send. And what notify-send does, okay, so I'll read you what else he wrote. He says, it allows you to send notifications to the desktop desktop and it works with most desktop environments i use it in all my scripts to let me know when they where they've got to and what is being done also it adds a flair of professionalism to my homegrown code as an example you could notify send dash t5000 backup script uh in well in quotes backup script and then in quotes the backup script completed successfully that would show a title and a main notification for five seconds uh, which would have a title of backup script, and then the the um, text in the main notification would be the backup script has completed successfully. You can, as with all Linux commands, get fancy and add variables and other inputs, but that's for others to work out. And he includes the website that he got this from, and that website is ss64.com. And if you guys have not gone out to ss64.com, um, if you're a scripter, if you do any kind of scripting, I don't care what language you're using, you need to go out to the site. And that's why I wanted that. So that's our website of the week, which is ss64.com, HTTP colon slash slash ss64.com. They have the, they have, um, 
libraries of all the commands that you can find in most languages. Yeah, that's it there in the chat room, uh, Bill. That's it right there. Uh, they have bash, they have command, they have PowerShell, they have uh, SQL, uh, all sorts of stuff. I use this all the, <clears throat> all the time at work when I'm writing scripts in, I mean, even just command scripts, so uh, DOS in essence. Uh, I use this all the time. I use it for PowerShell, and uh, it's great for, for bash as well. So great site. Uh, lots of stuff in there. It tells you how to use these different commands. Notify send is just another one that you can use um, that, uh, like Beardy Jesse says, it, it adds a little bit of professionalism to your scripts or can be you can use it as a notification for yourself. You could use this in, even if you something simple, you could use this with the sleep command. Uh, you wanted to work on something for 15 minutes, but you don't want to be distracted. You don't, you know, you're going full screen, you, you auto hide your clock or something like that. You could just put it sleep a sleep command and then a notify statement and boom, you know, so that's something really, really simple, a two line, uh, uh, script for you. That is very cool. Yeah. So, um, we've got a couple of announcements as we talked about before, and it's coming up fast. Now, uh, Jonathan Nado had, had sent us a note asking if we could once again, just remind, uh, our listeners that the third annual Northeast Linux Fest is coming on March 16th and 17th at Harvard university. So that's just a couple of weeks from now. And uh, the link, uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. That's just northeastlinuxfest.org. And um, uh, like I say, Jonathan Nado is putting that on. He, uh, you know, we talked about Jonathan before, and this is probably, I don't know, third, fourth year that he's had this thing going. I think it's the first time it's been two days. So this thing is just growing. And when you're at Harvard, when you're at Cambridge, you are in the thick of it um, as far as, uh, you know, open source folks. Uh, I know Novell, when they uh, had... Uh, OpenSUSE, they had an office there in Cambridge. Uh, Free Software Foundation is located, is headquartered in Boston. You look at your GPL license, you'll see Boston on there. So this is uh, Cambridge, Mass. is right across the river from Boston. And uh, Harvard University is a beautiful place, uh, especially in the springtime like this. So if you have an opportunity, head out out there. I wish. Yeah, I me, t- me too. I wish I could actually, just head on up there. I'm actually going to be in um, Maine two days after this thing goes down, but I can't, I just can't get there any earlier. So I can't, I can't, unfortunately I can't go. So that's too bad. Yeah. And so a couple more quick announcements. The first one is that we, we wanted to say, uh, the Mintcast wants to extend their hearty congratulations to, uh, Dan uh, Lynch and fab of the Linux outlaws. The, just a week or two ago, they released their 300th episode. 300. 300 and that's episodes. really something i actually wow. wrote on i think it was uh g plus that uh 300 that's a lot of ranting that's <laughs> a lot of ranting. that's a lot of a lot of fabo rant so uh, uh congratulations to those guys i mean what we just hit we just hit 150, 150. and 100 100 by the new crew and yeah. i can tell you and that took us two years to do it and it's i mean it's it's a that's a lot wow. 300 is a tremendous accomplishment uh, so congratulations to those guys. Well done. Well done. And well-deserved yeah. notoriety that they have as yeah. well. Yeah. And then the last thing we wanted to announce is you guys are for sure going to want to tune in next week because oh, yeah. you don't want to miss. we this. are going to have a special two-night crossover event. Extravaganza. On Monday night. Uh, so that'll be Monday, March 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It will be episode 152, Hamcast. Then on Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 
it'll be Linux in the Mint Shack. So, crossover event next week. Be there. You don't want to miss this. You, this is going to be something that you're going to you're going to sit in your rocking chair when you're 95 and you're going to be talking to your grandkids and saying, "Oh, I remember the day that I was on that I listen I listened to that live." You well, know? Your, your grandkids are going to say, "Grandpa, where were you?" Where were you when the, the, the crossover event took down. place? So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that is going to put a wrap on episode 151. Once again, we want to thank... Schoolia. Schoolia. Oops, Schoolia. We were talking about this. We were saying, yeah, we could just put a backbeat to that if we looped it like that. Yeah. So thanks for thanks for coming on and uh, sitting through that interview. And uh, I thought it was really cool. And Solid XK looks like a great distribution. And we're definitely going to be checking that out and watching that project as it grows. And uh, mm-hmm. so we, we definitely want to thank uh, that whole team for and CWW Gateway, who's actually out in the chat room tonight. Was out in the chat room. Yep. Yeah, so, enjoyed having you there. Thanks yeah. for that. that and thanks great. for listening. And uh, we will see you next week when we have our crossover extravaganza. Indeed, the Hamcast. This has been another episode of Midcast. The show notes for this episode are at www.midcast.org. You can send us email at midcast at midcast.org or leave voicemail at plus one eight three two five one four two two seven eight. That's eight three two five one four cast. You can find more information on Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Midcast and Linux Mint on Twitter at Midcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco and Oscar for the podcast music, and thanks for listening to this episode of Midcast. <laughs>